it's potentially like able to change your life. If you can sneak in a layer of intention through any stage, then that will reinforce and build a healthier dynamic with our food. It shifts it from just eating to a ritual. It's really important to notice and become aware of our emotional, mental, physical, and even spiritual state before we ingest anything, right? Because that's the intention behind it. And I think that it really does come down to a relationship with food. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. All right. Today on the Path Podcast, we are joined by my lovely lady, Lauren Salemi. Lauren is a holistic lifestyle coach, personal chef who has a background in luxury hospitality and designing memorable dining experiences. Now, today, this topic is very important to both of us. We go into the topic of food and what I'm most interested in picking Lauren's brain and heart on has to do with something that in modern society we have by and large forgotten. And that's that is a closer and deeper connection with the food that we eat and inviting in more ritual. And so in today's discussion, we are coming off of just a few days from the recent Men of Movement retreat. And we use that to start off the conversation because Lauren has been the chef at all of the last four retreats. And you'll get to see the level of intentionality, detail that not only that we incorporate there, but there are so much wisdom that you can incorporate in your life with your family right now if you are seeing seeking to develop a deeper and closer relationship with food. And you want and you know that food is one way that we can affect our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state immediately. Now, in today's discussion, Lauren gives so much practical insight and anecdotes around how we can make not only eating healthier, easier, but what are the ways, especially when we're trying to eat healthier? And for example, we have family members that may have different values or disagree with the foods that we're eating. How can we navigate those situations with greater ease? You're going to get to hear about her background and really the level, once again, of detail that she puts into the food that she eats and cooks for our family. So I hope you love this episode and take plenty of practical tips that you'll be able to apply right now with you and yours. Let's get right into it. I think you found that out basically on day one of us being together is... Um, Mikey time. Mikey time. How... <laughs> Told many people about Mikey time. What is... what You're On your what, own clock. <laughs> what is this Mikey time? How does it show up? Um, it shows up in your workouts when a one minute count is really a four minute count and an eldo a hold. It shows up with... I know. I mean, I'm was, not good. You, you <laughs> know how... Yeah, we all got time for that, but... Uh, <laughs> Long story short, I've I've never had someone like completely hop out of a pose or a posture that I was that I was guiding, and it's uncomfortable. If if anyone who's experienced the Aldoa knows, like the reason why it's so effective is because it's so uncomfortable. It's actually creating changes in the body at a structural level, and so to elicit those changes, it's hard. And uh, we used to teach um, this bags and bells class online that I used to run. I miss it. I know I miss it too. Maybe we'll bring it back. 
we'll bring it back. But here's the agreement, though. Uh, you cannot <laughs> hop out sign of a, a posture. You have to sign a waiver. And the commitment is it's a minute posture. Exactly. My minute. I'll be the count. <laughs> how about that? I was a cheerleader. I can count. Deal. Okay. All right. Well, that's how we get you back in. Um, <laughs> but speaking of you know this topic of ritual that you and I are, are both equally super passionate about, and it's really in many ways, shapes and forms, whether it's how we work out, um, having coffee in the morning, um, pulling a card together downstairs, going for a walk. There's these specific routines that we've enacted in our life with intention that mean a lot to us. And uh, as you're well aware, we just got back a little over a week ago from the Men of Movement retreat. And it's so funny because when I hop on calls with guys who are interested, you know, the food aspect of it is oftentimes a very pleasant surprise to the retreat because when people are signing up, as you well know, they are not initially signing up with food being really uh, much of a thought, for example. Like they're coming to work on themselves, to shed layers, to be in community with other men, to strengthen their own power, will, direction in life. And we just got back and we submitted a survey to the to the guys at this last retreat. And I was showing some of the results to you. And what was, I mean, not surprising, but also really surprising was so far, uh, and we haven't had anyone, everyone fill out their, their feedback, but so far there's been two areas that got 100% in terms of the men feeling the result of these activities or rituals were deeply transformative to their experience. One of them was the sweat lodge, the traditional Native American rite of passage and that initiation ceremony. And interestingly enough, (laughs) the food and the blessings that we do around food was also every single person who filled it out said it was deeply transformative. So I'd love to kick off with uh, just letting listeners know, first off, like what did you do at the retreat from a food perspective? Because that is your wheelhouse. And if you can share a little bit of the the intentionality that you put into it for the men. Yeah, I, that was so heartwarming to hear that because, um, yeah, I think a big part of this retreat experience for the men is to really be immersed in their transformation. And um, I really try and have a backseat to to that process. That's your your container um, as men being with men, and um, and it's also like a huge opportunity for me because I deeply believe in the power of food and the power uh, the amount of connection that we can gain from sharing food and having very intentionally designed menus and experiences in general. Um, A lot of my background, as you know, is in luxury hospitality. So um, I love to take it up a notch when it comes to basically everything when it comes to designing an experience. Uh, That's where my passion lies and it just is super fun for me. And to give voice to really the intentionality, as you said, I mean, you and I are together for a reason, for many reasons. And I think one of our cornerstones of our relationship is the intentionality we put behind things. Um, And if we're going to do something, we're going to do it with all our heart and all of our head and, you know, as much of um, our passion as we can. So I think that we really relate on that. And I know that you wouldn't, like, I couldn't bring anything less than my best to share in, in this experience with you. And that's what the men deserve. That's what you deserve. And so I really try and, you know, give it my all. 
um, and fortunately have a background in luxury hospitality. So it's always over the top. It always has been. I worked for six years for the Ritz Carlton, learned a ton about, you know, so many things when it comes to what we experience when we're eating food, when we're dining out, um, the power of aesthetics and, you know, it looks kind of, um, frilly perhaps, but like really all those little details, they create this layered effect of like, holy shit, I didn't know food or sharing a meal with someone could be so powerful. And a lot of it is actually subconscious, which we can kind of go into, but yeah, the intentionality around the retreat experience, um, is super fun to like, especially before an event, you and I will have lots of conversations and we'll throw out ideas and we'll heartstorm and brainstorm around what activities you guys are doing. Right. Because as you know, and what the men find out is every meal is designed. Like there's a reason why we're eating certain things at certain times. Um, there's a reason why we may not be eating anything for a certain amount of time, like pre-sweat lodge, right? That's like a fasted morning and, and afternoon. So there's intentionality behind everything. After the sweat lodge is the acai bar, right? Um, which has become a, a fan favorite, which is really cool. Let's take a pause there and share. Uh, when I was going over the outline of this last retreat with some of the facilitators, uh, and I was sitting down with Johnny Suarez and, and Tyler LaFlock, and we were chatting about our sessions and reviewing each other's. And when I was going through the outline of this one, it was super comical to me because we met at Johnny's office. And when we were chatting, I recall like on this retreat, as you know, there was, I think plus or minus like 10 new sessions that we ran. So it was a, still a very similar framework of how we've run the last three retreats prior, but there was a lot of uniqueness and uh, some of the days got switched up and in the schedule, I didn't have the acai bar or acai bowls post sweat lodge. And I remember you had no meal. Like I, had no meal. I was like, I didn't, I didn't quite get to that. I was more focused on like, <laughs> sure. what are the, I get so dialed in on like, what are the rituals and the initiation, you know, all of that stuff. Like what's the, the inner work the that meat. we're going to, the meat of it. But it was so uh, hilarious that Tyler, Tyler, in a very like sweet voice, was like, "Some of the effect of like, but I don't see acai bowls anywhere." <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. <laughs> and so I came back and shared that story, and I was like, "Okay, okay, let me let me focus back on. Let's have that discussion of like <laughs> meals again." And and so that was hilarious. But the entire retreat, men will be by intention and by design pushed to their edges. Now, every single man, their edges are going to be slightly different and certain uh, activities or experiences are going to be more challenging and there's going to be a, more of a level of discomfort. And so, and that could just be, you know, even the simplest thing of being without your cell phone for four days, like that can be really hard for guys. Uh, but all that said, from the no cell phone to the sweat lodge to the breath work, these are all uncomfortable things. And uh, I actually recently posted on my social Tyler's face on one of the past retreats on a meal. It was like a four swipe thing. And you just see totally authentic. That was not staged. You see his jaw drop. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about like the food that you've intentionally created, how does it support the men doing this type of work? Yeah. And kind of in hindsight, what we've really noticed about the retreat as a whole, I have the best part, in my opinion, my contribution, because it really, <laughs> it turned out to be like basically the only comfortable thing you might be experiencing throughout it. And I mean, I'm say that 
lightly because there's many like really rewarding and and maybe not cozy experiences, but absolutely um, positive ones. But to be able to bring, you know, the kind of feminine nourishment to a container that is so deep and wide and um, so much is coming up um, in the men throughout this journey and to be able to have like a meal cooked with love, with nourish, deep nourishment. Um, we source the highest quality ingredients possible. That's from day one been very important to both of us, you know, like, so our partner brands, places that we source from, um, you have invested with just the cost of these ingredients and these foods. And um, that's that's a testament, I think, to what they provide, right? Um, but it goes a lot deeper than that when it comes to like, you know, there's the sustenance aspect of it, which is like, I'm not, I would never, I mean, even in our own home, like I would never put something on a plate that I don't believe in, in terms of, you know, the quality and, and where it comes from and it being organic and grass fed and wild and hopefully beautiful, beautifully presented, like those are really important to me. Um, and at the retreat that goes into it for sure. And to just be able to have a place for these guys to land and commune and converse and um, share this ritual of really appreciating and being present with our core foundational nourishment, you know, like food is is I think the entry point for most people when it comes to their health journey. It can be also an afterthought, you know, like like you said, most of these men don't come for the food, you know, but once they're there and they're like, holy, holy shit, like how was this actually one of my favorite parts of it? Like that's the biggest compliment I could get, but it's kind of unexpected for all of us, really. Well, I appreciate that because as you know, like I, I try to stay as best as I can connected with, with many of the men afterwards. And, uh, I was just talking to someone just the other day from retreat number two. And, you know, he was saying that, you know, why he signed up is not for the food. He wasn't aware of it, but it's also one of the most memorable things that he recalls going back. And even other men after the retreats, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard when these men have gone back, gone back to their families, what they've shifted from not only the where they're spending their money, the quality of food, but maybe even more than that. And this is where I really want the heart of this conversation to be is the carving out intentional time around meal times, and whether again there's things that we introduce guys to if they're th- through at least what's worked for me and in our family. Uh, is a blessing around food and taking time for that. And for example, like even if someone was a foodie, let's just say, let's just pick pick that as as an example. Even if someone was a foodie and was you know really appreciated food already, or was trying to source high quality or not, but what makes it a ritual? What is it about? the ritual of not only what we do at the at the retreat, but how anybody listening to this podcast right now with the food that they're already eating, what makes it a ritual? And I'd love for you to share how that process evolved for you. When did that start as well? Yeah. And what comes up actually when you say that, I heard, and I'm not sure if this is quote unquote accurate, but I heard that the difference between a ritual and a ceremony is a small shift and ceremony is anything that we share in a group Hmm. and a ritual is 
traditionally something that we practice with ourselves. Mm, interesting. So for me, maybe, maybe, and that actually really resonated because I've like, oh, those are seem very similar. You know, I think that there's like a sacredness to both of those words and there's a practice to both of those words. And there's some level of like a patterning or a habitual nature to them as well. It's not something we just do once. It's something that really is incorporated deeply into our life. But to me, the word ceremony really resonates a little deeper. Um, And that just came up now. But um, so really what makes food a ritual, a ceremony, I think largely is the intention behind it, right? Like what makes something a ceremony is, to my definition, having intention. Um, and also creating a container of, I mean, safety is one word, but really just presence. If we're distracted, if we're emotionally unwell, if we're stressed out, if we're rushing around, um, if we're eating poor quality food, all of these energetics of things for sure show up with mealtime, right? All the time. And shifting from just eating to a dining experience can make it more of a ceremony. So that's why we pay double the price normally when we go out to have a nice meal. It's not just for the food on the plate, you know, like you're, if you're spending $50 on a steak, like you can get a beautiful steak for probably less than that, you know, but why do we go out or why do we sit down at the table and really have presence with ourselves, with our families? That to me really makes, it shifts it from just eating to to a ritual. And I think like it's really important to notice and become aware of our emotional, mental, physical, and even spiritual state before we ingest anything, right? Because that's the intention behind it. Um, there's that phrase saying it's better to eat shitty food with like a great state of mind and like, you know, like just what I don't know the exact quote, as opposed to, you know, eating perfectly healthy food with a shitty mindset or emotional, if we're depressed, if we're sad, if we're angry, if we're in a um, sympathetic state, then that's going to affect the energetics of, of how we metabolize and how we ingest and how we absorb or don't absorb. And um, so there's like a chain reaction effect with food. Um, one of our mentors, Paul Check, says, you know, food is energy and information, right? So it's information of what our body needs to do with it, but it's also energy. And so I think that it starts there with really like feeling into to food. Um, that's a very ritualistic um, process and it can look a million different ways. I think we have a really beautiful and you've introduced this to my life. Like many people say a prayer, you know, that's um, they bless the food um, in their own way, in their own spiritual context. Um, but that practice is is so powerful and it brings you to the present moment um, and it brings in this field of gratitude. And I think if anyone believes in the law of attraction, you know, like we have to feel it energetically, like Joe Dispenza's work. It's like, it's being the feeling. It's not like thinking through things, you know, it's really creating that container of, of vitality. So um, the energetics, I don't think can be separate from, from the ritual of food. Um, and that shows up at the retreat. And anytime I cook, it's like, I, I've never had any intention to cook in a kitchen because I know how stressful those scenarios like are. Like a professional like kitchen. Like a professional kitchen, sure, exactly. Yeah. When I cook, I want to be in my own space, in my own environment. I want to have like my music playing. I largely I love cooking alone. It just is like a very meditative state for me. So yeah, like I bring that 
frequency to the food. And, and it's amazing how, you know, if you, if you were to sample six different chefs recipe for spaghetti, right. They're all going to taste like crazy different. And I believe that a large part of that is what love and energy are you bringing to the creation? It's just like any other creation. You know, you can tell when it's slopped together. This is why, you know, in our relationship, I'm constantly like just we not butt heads, but I give you shit for like he'll eat like frozen bone broth, like cold, doesn't have to heat it up, doesn't have to herb it up, doesn't have to salt it up. It's like so my my point is, is that like moving from just pure sustenance of food into a more um, energetically holistic experience um, is is something that I, I really do believe in, even though it might be a little silly. Let's fucking go. <laughs> That's very true. Like I, it, it is true. Like there is usually at least one meal a day that we sit down to the best of our ability, at least one as a family. And that's our ritual. And during the day when I'm like in work mode, my mindset's a little bit different. And also I've trained myself so much when I was competing and on the road, like it meant so much more to me. Uh, And you know this, but just like, let's just say when I was uh, working for my family business and we'd be at trade shows all week or like uh, when you're working with uh, in the way our company was set up, like you're grinding and uh, even just getting a pee break sometimes was a lot to to, to ask for. Um, that's kind of a joke, kind of not. <laughs> but that being said, it meant so much to me to have good quality food. And so I remember just taking frozen, frozen bone broth and then, you know, I would travel in these with these lunch pails of that were freezer freezer bags and I would vacuum seal my food before I would leave and I could fit seven meals per freezer bag. And so I would take two of these. So I had 14 meals with me on the road. And I remember like it was so much about, again, the quality of food and I didn't want to eat a lot of the food that we were, you know, that was available to us on the road. So I'd prep this stuff and bone broth was one of them. So I'd have that and it'd be frozen and there was no, I wasn't going to use the microwave and I didn't, most of these hotels didn't have like an oven that I could have in my room. So I got super used to heating up my bone broth in, uh, in the sink with hot water, which didn't turn it hot. It was basically like lukewarm bone broth. So, you know, uh, I appreciate so much the ritual of food and also like, I'm also game to like, you know, do what needs to be done in that moment. But that being said, that is something that I would still like to shift. And, you know, I would say I see tons of ritual in what you just shared. I mean, Mm. it may look different than mine and that's totally cool, you know? So remind me of this next time I I give you shit for how you're eating something. Oh, I will. (laughs) When it's my food, I'm a little bit more particular. Um, But but truly, I mean, the amount of self-love and time and, um, you know, dedication you need to have in order to meal prep when you already have the competition on your mind, you have travel on your mind, you have all these things to be able to, or to choose to create that for yourself. That is a ritual. I see, you know, like that's Mike's version of, of ritual with food. But like, I, I can, if I imagine if I was a fly on the wall watching you do that, it was done with love, you know, it may be like a little bit more expedited or, you know, functional or practical, 
Um, and I think that um, even like really beautifully presented, you know, even restaurant food can still be very practical. And I, I'm a really practical person. I think it needs to be because I don't want people to think that, you know, every meal has to be perfect or, you know, every every dish has to have all these like specifics, you know, like maybe that's how that it's my art. So like I am very particular about how I want to present my craft for others. But that doesn't mean that I'm the model of how everyone's food should look. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this next piece. So one example, and what you brought up for me there is how this ritual or connection with food can extend far beyond just like the meal time itself. And one thing that uh, I haven't done it too much because we do a lot of this blessing when we actually have the food in front of us. But I've got friends who, and mutual friends with you as well, of course, who when they go shopping, they park their car in the driveway and they have all the groceries in the back and they say a little blessing there. And they may not do it at every meal or let's say if they wanted to, they definitely do this when they go buy um, like a quarter beef. So they buy like a quarter cow and before they even put it in the freezer, they just say a blessing with everything. And so if they forget or whatever, it's like there is that pause moment to connect. Are there other things that come up for you in terms of maybe prior to actually sitting down and eating where someone might be able to have some of these different touch points to connect with their food and what they're bringing into their body and their family's bodies. Yeah. Um, there's lots of like pre-rituals, so to speak. Um, I think before the meal enters our mouth, before it's on the plate, um, you brought up a great one. I mean, it starts with where we're shopping. You know, I mean, it can be your experience at a farmer's market on Saturday with or without your family, meeting the purveyors, meeting the growers, um, seeing this beautiful food in front of you and really like take or at the grocery store it doesn't have to be a farmer's market. Um, it may sound a little woo woo, but I really connect with the ingredients before I put them in my bag. And the perfect expression for me is how I select avocados. I think there's something magical about when you just take a moment to be like, is this going to nourish me today? Like, does this avocado want to nourish me? Like you feel it's a very soft and subtle voice. But I think if anyone just took a few extra seconds to just be like, is this a high vibration food? Am I ready to digest this and use this to like fuel my life? Yes or no, like your body and your soul will tell you. And I know that's a little bit woo woo, but you know, it goes into like a muscle test testing type of experience. And, and I think it can just be a really beautiful kind of activity that you have with yourself or, you know, with kids and stuff, it gets a little crazy having these like long grocery shopping adventures, but, um, that's like one of my favorite things to do. I love grocery shopping. Um, so I think that there can be ritual with before we even purchase a food, really like asking our body, like, is this um, going to ready to provide life force for me? Or is this going to likely make me feel like shit? Or am I trying to feed a deeper need that's an emotional need? That's a largely emotional, you know, a mental block or something that's feeding an old pattern that doesn't really serve me anymore. You know, like there's plenty of times like I'm, super connected to food. And I have times where I'm emotionally invested in my food. And, you know, if I'm 
stressed out or feeling like worn down or whatever, like I'll order food, you know, and we all have these vices, so to speak. But I think that there can be, if you can sneak in a layer of intention through any stage, then that will reinforce and build a healthier dynamic with our food. And I think that it really does come down to a relationship with food. And that is largely rooted in our relationship with our body. You know, um, if you hate yourself at any level, like conscious or not, um, you'll probably be reaching for things that reinforce that hatred or reinforce that, you know, loathing um, and vice versa. You know, if you're feeling really good, nine times out of 10, you're not going to reach for something that's going to make you feel like shit. Like your body knows and you know, like we all know what we technically should and shouldn't be eating, you know, to make us feel great. So I think that that's one. Other times of intention, yeah, I think sourcing, um, for sure in cooking, um, there's lots of opportunity for making that like a family ritual or a ritual with yourself. And I love like the prayer that that's offered, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, those are the ones that come up for me. There's one of the, going back to what you said about, we'll use the avocados as the example And you were saying as a way to connect with your body, like when I envision you doing that and I've seen you doing that, if I'm to take a step back, one of the things that I observe is you're taking a moment to breathe. Mm -hmm. And that if you add in a breath to whether it's the time that you select the ingredients, or even if you don't even want to say a prayer, but just standing in front and visualizing all this bounty that's in front of you, all this food, you know, with the the modern world that we have, like truly expressing and feeling that, like you were saying, that feeling of just gratitude and incorporating your breath, which is going to help down-regulate. Like these are all things that brings you to one greater connection with yourself and then the food in front of us. The other thing that comes up is, and so much of this is things that I think you and I have just done now it's almost just automatic and unconscious. So we don't even think so we have to like, even just having this conversation is helpful for both of us to reflect on, you know, the certain things that we do, whether that we've brought in before our relationship and that we prioritize as a family. And so many people, and in many regards, us too, uh, are on autopilot. And so those moments, those pause points are really important to break the monotony and the unconscious, just repetitive nature of how we do certain things in our life so we can have that greater perspective. And one of the things connected with food that you've done beautifully in our home is the design of the home. And when you go into most people's home, this is just the nature of what it is. Like I know so many friends and family members and stuff like that, where the entire home Again, this is not a judgment. This is just a fact. The entire home is designed around a TV unit, a TV set. And oftentimes when you go to someone's home and there's the meal time, there's cell phones out. Like that's really common. Like I'll do that too sometimes. And so I've got to be mindful, but the TV's on. And one of the things that I was adamant, adamant when we moved into this home that we, you and I live in now And when we first moved into it, um, my brother was here. We had like, my cousin was here. We had two high school friends living. I even think our our sister-in-law, Kat, was here uh, for a certain amount of time. So we had a full-blown house. And I was like, when we moved in, I only had one rule, one fucking rule. And it was no TV. 
I was like, you want to watch something? Watch it on your laptop. Like you can watch any movies and you and I do that too. But I've just seen how much having a TV, and this is my personal choice and my personal values that I'm grateful that you've been on board with. Yeah, I didn't have a TV before meeting you or not meeting you, but like moving in either. Like I hadn't had TV for years. And I mean, not to say again, we're perfect and we don't watch shows and we have a projector, you know, when we do movie night and like, that's great. But there, I mean, a television is like, I mean, it's called TV programming, right? Like if that's constantly on in the background, you are being programmed into these states that are not by your selection. You don't just hear a couple things that you're, even if you're like only conscious of hearing a couple of things, you're hearing every single thing that's the the tone, the the music, the words, the products, the advertisements. And it's literally like a vortex of your energy. I mean, we see that with Luca or I see it like if there's a screen anywhere near him, like he's already starting to go right to it, you know? And so I think that having without that energy in our home, it's what does become the gathering place as opposed to the television our kitchen and our dining room and largely our kitchen floor. Like we have a lot of meals on our kitchen floor. (laughs) Um, Like that is the gathering place. That's the place that is sacred. Like that is a sacred place for me and for us. And you know, it's, it's not the typical, you know, American household. If it's not obvious by now, there are so many elements that relate and can influence the change process. Of course, ritual and food being two very important ones that are interconnected, but also how we move our body, how we breathe, how we sleep, how we manage our stress, and so many other aspects of how we relate to our environment. And that is why with specifically the men's work that I'm doing, because that is such an area of my life that is calling me forward to create these containers. And beyond just creating retreat containers, I'm very excited to announce that now I'm opening up more online programs, group coaching programs to bring a greater global community of men together that don't just simply work through Uh, For example, our limiting beliefs and where we feel stuck in life and the dreams we want to create, but also the other aspects that are directly related to that. And so I'm very excited to announce I am just launching right now a six-week program for men to work on, of course, creating inspired action in their life, but also some of the other components that do relate to becoming a more healthy, a more vital man. If this at all interests you, this idea, this concept, and this new program that I will be releasing basically right now at the at the time of launching this episode, simply shoot me an email Mike at MikeSalemi.io. I can send you more information. Right now, we are getting a small group of men together to really kick this thing off. The launch date of the program will be in September, but I am doing uh, pre-enrollment right now. So I hope to hear from you soon. Mike at MikeSalemi.io is my email. Just shoot me a message that you're interested in and we will hop on a call. Let's get back to the show. And I would love for you to share. I was just had a vision of us at the retreat when we do the, uh, not to give it away too much, but we do a sensory experience dinner, right? And you had shared, I think the words were like engaging with food. Could you share a little bit either about that meal or what are some things that people can utilize 
to maybe connect with their food? And we've talked about a few of them already for sure, but what comes up for you in this, like a, like enhancing someone's sensory connection with their food? Yeah, I think, I mean, so I also have a background in theater and I love <laughs> everything artistic. So really what that idea really started at is, I mean, there's some super high-end three Michelin star restaurants that have like very engaged dining experiences, right? And you can have so much fun with them and it's theater. It's really like food with theater. So this isn't necessarily a new idea, but I was, we started thinking about like, wow, how could we incorporate that type of consuming, pleasurably consuming experience and making anything more sensory I believe it's like it deepens the experience. Um, so, you know, how um, the room is set. We had ideas about blindfolding the guys, you know, before. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. But really, so this this meal is kind of the crescendo of the food experience at the retreat. Um, it's normally the second night, I believe. You guys have had a really long day and all that. So bring everybody into the barn and it's kind of my opportunity and whoever's assisting me um, to just really share about the philosophy of food and like how it's, it's potentially like able to change your life. What food looks like and tastes like are, are two common things. You know, we really, we eat, we look before we eat or what is, what's the term? Um, you eat with your eyes first. And then, you know, most people want food to taste good and it kind of is like that. Okay. Sustenance, let's go. Um, but like, what about really being present to the food energetically? What about, and this meal is only eaten with your hands. So like, I think that that's a really cool ritual or, um, invitation for people to do is like, start touching your food. That's like a tactile, like there's so many like nerve endings with our hands and like to really feel the temperatures and the textures you learn, like that's how we ate everything. Like a fork is pretty, a pretty big t disconnect from the food itself, in my opinion. So, you know, we give you a bunch of paper towels or napkins and um, everyone eats with their hands. Starts with a blessing, of course, um, and really just talking about the energetics of the sourcing, the energetics of who's in the room, you know, sometimes at the beginning after the prayer, there's, it's a moment of silence, you know, for even for 10, 15 minutes and you learn how to make eye contact and how to like gesture. Um, and you just, I mean, it's a really beautiful container and like, I'm just a small part of creating that, but like really like seeing all the guys around the table, either holding hands or blessing the food and then just diving the F in, um, you know, we kind of have this visual of if anyone's seen the movie hook, they're playing this game of imagination with the food that they wish that they could enjoy, you know? So like that visual of just like bounty and color and, um, texture, and there's always a theme too. So kind of back to the intention of the retreat itself and the food, it's one of the cornerstones of my type of, um, cooking is, is always eating with the seasons. Um, I think that's so important eating with the land and, you know, communing with the creatures that we're about to consume. Oftentimes we'll, I'll serve, you know, meat that you've hunted, you know, like, and how special. And even this time when you haven't gone on a hunt recently, we buy a half or a full cow, you, something you've done for 10 years with your family from Stumble Creek. And um, I think that's an amazing practice that people can incorporate in their life too, is like, we're sharing one animal, you know, like we get to have this, um, 
prayer offered for like this one creature that is able to feed all of us, you know? So I think that's a really beautiful aspect to it. Eating with our hands, um, our eyes, like the sights and sounds in the room are hopefully like it's an ambiance. So I think it's kind of just trying to mirror the fine dining experience that you'd expect from a hotel or any type of really nice eating establishment, but it's very grounded and it's like, like for the fall retreat, we did basically a Thanksgiving dinner, you know? <laughs> so the guys had like big turkey legs. And I was like, what are, what's something that a m- typical man would just be stoked to like <laughs> grub out on, you know? And then it, I just get to have fun with what's available, what's in season, like what's kind of in theme to that event. Cause when it's in the fall time, it's cooler up in Shasta. So, you know, you want to have be more deeply nourishing, warming foods. And then in the springtime, it's like, okay, we can have a little bit more fun with like more like seafood or fresh and like that type of thing. So one of the biggest things with this work is how the men take whatever it is that resonated with them or whatever aha and how do they, how do they integrate it back at home? Right. That's that. And oftentimes like you'll hear this word integration, but it truly is the most important, I believe, aspect of any of this work is you have this, these peak experiences in community, this nourishment physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically. But then it's like, when you go back home and you're faced with the same environment, the same triggers, the same people, potentially the same work, um, there's, it, it can be really challenging. And what insight, advice, thoughts might you share with someone, for example, who is maybe starting this path, who wants to have a deeper connection with the food that they're eating and they have this momentum, whether it's at the retreat or they're just listening to this right now and they feel inspired to implement any one of the many things that you've shared. However, one other family member or one other person on their their team isn't maybe on board or has maybe completely different dietary preferences. What advice might you suggest to someone where they're making this lifestyle change, but not everybody is on board within the family unit? Yeah, I think that's basically every person's story. (laughs) I mean, I know it's yours. I know it's mine. Um, Well, actually, I kind of lucked out like a lot of my food culture really comes from my mom and the way that she raised me. And it was super, super high quality food. And um, before organic was trendy, before any of these things were like really kind of common practice, at least in the Bay Area, most people are kind of the black sheep of the family. Um, It's pretty rare to have more than one person just be a health freak, um, you know? And and I think that that's our our path in this life is to really, you know, if, if you're that person in your family, then you're first and foremost, like, what are you doing this for? Because I think a lot of us kind of go into savior mode around like, I want to change my partner. I want to change my parents. I want to, and maybe we don't use that language, but like we want to help our parents. We want to help our partner. We want, if they want to lose weight, if they have a health challenge, you know, it's very, very easy to go into the rescuer, saver, changer mode. And I think that that is a surefire way to have your partner person or parent like good luck with that, right? Like they're not normally very receptive to somebody coming from an outside perspective and being like, hey dad, you're not doing this right. 
you know, like try this instead. I've tried that probably a million times and I still catch myself doing it today. I'm like, can you just drink the water, you know? Um, But I think what you can do with anything lifestyle wise, first, like you start with yourself, you know, and you get very clear with yourself as like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this with an outside agenda, you know, because it has to start with us. And most importantly, you know, this is our life and that's their life. And, you know, we all are entitled to have, make the choices that we want, you know, and I heard you share recently, I don't remember where, but just like not projecting that judgment onto other people because that's their life. That's their choices. You know, and I know I'm sure it's done out of love. I know it's been done out of love for me, but slowly over time, if you're very committed to this and you're doing this for you and you start seeing these transformative changes in your life, like that is absolutely contagious. I think so. If you see someone super vibrant and thriving and healthy and like really passionate about their food or like excited about things like you're like, I want some of that. Like, what are you doing? You know? And like, fortunately, a lot of times when you make a a lifestyle change, like food and nutrition, you see those benefits like really fast, you know? So I think it's one of like the quickest ways to feel and see and really um, vibrate at a much higher level. And also like that hopefully will kind of catch trend in your family. You know, I know it took your family quite a few years, you know, and you were the black sheep and, um, you know, that there's, it's not this easy as I'm making it sound. I know there's a lot of challenges and especially like, I mean, how we choose our partners is pretty, pretty damn important, you know, and that's not to shame anybody if they're like in a relationship with someone that doesn't have the same nutrition values as they do. I think it's one of those things that you can work through, but it's just like being in love with someone with a different religion. Like, there will be challenges that come up with that and there will be consequences to that. However, like the self-betrayal, if you're to continue to go down eating unhealthy just to stay at the same page as your partner, like you will, you'll pay that price eventually, I think with the self-betrayal and the pain that comes with that. And you'll also pay the price if you try and push it too fast onto somebody else that's not ready. So I think that like really when something's done with love and like invitation, you know, like there's been plenty of examples in our life. Like, you know, if it's a workout or something like that, it's like you've never pushed anything onto me. Um, And I hopefully haven't pushed too many things onto you either. It's like we let each other go at our own pace. Fortunately, I think we each selected somebody with a very like our values are very aligned, you know, and I think that the more aligned you are with anyone, if it's a family member or a partner, um, you know, that might be a little smoother process, but really just doing this for you, like they don't have to do it. They really don't like, it shouldn't have much of a different, make a difference to your choices, you know? So I would, um, invite them to be the leader of their family, you know, and that could be the, you know, the husband, the wife, the partner, the, it doesn't, it's not a gender thing. It's like, you can always like lead a life with more um, health values. And even if nobody else gets on board, like you're still making a net impact by doing it for yourself. And too, if you have children, that's a huge, huge thing to model because we learn very young, these patterns, you know, And even if it's like weight gain or obesity or these health things, it's like our kids see that, you know, 
our kids watch us cook. Our kids watch like what we're eating. Like I do believe like how we are forming our children's palates is that's very much in our choice and in to a degree our control. You know, I think that this whole many gener multiple generations now of of children that will only eat mac and cheese and and chicken fingers, like, you know, well, check in with me in two years, you know, like I'm not trying to say that it's easy, but when when did we start? Where did we start? And did you actually provide variety and nutritious options for these kids? Because I've seen lots of kids that freaking, I mean, I've worked in, again, like really nice restaurants, Michelin star restaurants, and we've even gone to them, like our niece and nephew, you know, they have amazing palates. They can go and they can really appreciate food that's beyond just processed grains and cheese. So, yeah, I think you spoke to something really important and it speaks to the reality of, I think one challenge that is really hard for people. And I've heard this, whether it's from clients or even family members. So I totally hear what you're saying about, let's say, for example, you have just for the sake of argument, you have a husband and wife with different dietary preferences and you know they they maybe meet in the middle or they honor each other's choices and one person's you know uh whoever's making maybe more of the change is not pushing that on the other person get it super valid where i think it really becomes tough and uh very tested is how are they going to raise the children yeah that's and the fights around that too because <sighs> i mean this kind of it does tie into like a money conversation and um and like what we value if that's not the same then like there's it might open up like what the hell are you doing spending you know 25% more on organic options like if i don't value that then i can see that as like wasting money you know same thing it's like if you're going to go buy like a chainsaw or something that i would assume that you're not going to use very much it's like what the hell are you doing you know so yeah there i interrupted you there a little bit but you know i think one of the most, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with this, one of the most important things in any like true relationship is communication. Yeah. And, and that's why I really believe that before being with a partner, it's so important to do this work on ourselves. And then you have the unit of the partnership, whether it's marriage or not. And that's a whole nother entity, right? And then you have the unit of a family. But that's also why if, if someone's listening to this, if they're not in a relationship, that's a great opportunity to work on communication skills. If you are in a relationship, it's a great opportunity to work on communication skills. And there's things that you can do before having kids. But let's just say you have kids, for example. What would you say? Because you're not going to, I don't want to say like win every battle. Like you've got to really, you know, part of being in a relationship. Yes, it, core values, similar core values is absolutely critical. And the willingness to meet someone where they're at and compromise and play the long game is also, I feel, really important. The question I'm all I'm trying to ask is, if you have two people with different values, for example, or and it comes to the kids, if someone was to prioritize maybe one thing for the kids, where might you suggest as a unit they decide? Uh, or what comes up for you with that? Yeah, the the word that comes up for me is what type of culture do you want to create in your home? And I think that food is truly the cornerstone of of culture across the board. Do you want your kid? I mean, again, outside of just what's on the plate, I think again we're we're revisiting this idea of the container around 
communing over food and dining right. with food and the ritual of that and the importance of that, especially when it comes to children, because they're constantly looking, at least my experience, for an opportunity to downregulate and to be at peace and to feel safe and to feel like there's a family unit that they belong to. So to me, I challenges aside, like one of the easiest way we can create that for them is around the dinner table. And if that's a sacred time that, you know, like even I could request that of you, it's like, babe, like, you know, you're out, we are working hours or all, all day or whatever. Like someone, like the invitation to like, can we have this two hour, hour, 30 minute, whatever you can fit in. Like this is sacred time for our family. You know, and again, kind of going back to like, it doesn't really matter what you're eating. I do think it does matter what you're eating, but more than that, like what culture are you creating for your family over food? Because that is something that will play out three times, four times, five times a day for the rest of their life. If they feel safe at home with their parents, I think that like, they'd be a lot more inclined to eat many different things. And also too, like creating a culture around making the food together. Like that's like my favorite thing to do with, with Maddie and Luke, uh, mostly Maddie. Um, and it's been too long, but like kids just want to be involved, you know, like have them play with things on the, on the kitchen floor as you're cooking something, dance with them a little bit, you know, like have them taste certain things even before Luca can have solids yet, or we haven't introduced solids yet. And we're like having him smell the espresso, you know, maybe that's not the best thing to start with, but that's, like, that's, that's, that's my doing, you know, I gave him a little like homeopathic <laughs> dose of avocado the other, it's like, let like bring them along, you know, because they want to be there and they can feel and sense if you don't want to be there, you know? So, but I think like creating a culture around appreciation for who cooked the food and where the food came from and like the taste of the food and just that little pocket of time that is sacred as a family. Like I think if every family could commit to even 20 minutes of sacred time around food, like it would be amazing to see how their relationships change for the better. Like I, I believe that. I am so, as you were sharing that, I was getting like very fired up on the inside because like I am so grateful that you shared that piece because that doesn't honestly involve changing any of the food that anyone's already eating and the battles and debates of all that shit. It's literally changing the environment. And one of our mutual friends, Jason, had shared with me this piece that maybe someone has heard. It's like, when you have a sick fish, what do you do? Do you pump it with pharmaceuticals? Do you put a bunch of shit in there? No, you change the water. You check the water. That's how you rehabilitate a sick fish. And so if you start there, I truly believe everything that you said, plus exponentially more people's connection with themselves, people's connection with their partners, the connection with the families, you know, not having the TV on, the amount of food they choose to eat, how they make it. Like you're really, I love that because you're really looking at it in my perspective from the big picture. And that I believe is damn near possible for anybody and doesn't even change the food that you're choosing. And great, if that's a, a decision you make to make specific food choices that are healthy or organic, great. But that I think is so important and is perfectly on par for exactly the heart of this discussion. 
and what we've seen in the men, what we've seen in our household, what we see in our clients. And it's creating this container of connection, of safety, of connecting with, again, to ourselves, those that we love. And I know this is such a big part of, of course, the work that you do and also the work that you're transitioning into, which I would love for you to share a bit on because I'm one so excited that you're going the route that you're going and being able to pool all of your skill sets. So I would love for you to share about where you're going next and the role that food is playing in the the work that you're doing to support the world. Yeah. So um, after, well, I guess it started becoming pregnant with Luca because food has always been a huge part of my life and a huge part of my profession. And when I got pregnant, um, you know, and when you have children, nor traditionally the role of, of making food, it largely lies with, with the mom, you know, like that's not always the case, but it was, it was a practice that I had to maintain and wanted to maintain throughout pregnancy and uh, throughout my birth experience and postpartum and all of that. So food wasn't going anywhere. You know, I was going to have to find a way to work this into um, to life now. Right. And I think that pregnancy is a really unique um, in, in so many ways, but incredibly powerful experience to repattern our relationship with our body as women. And that starts and doesn't end, but it largely starts with, you know, the type of food that we're nourishing ourselves with, um, and our kids with eventually. So, um, I went on that journey of being pregnant and, um, and I was also like, okay, like I have this not looming, but this anticipated postpartum period, which is a very sacred time. Um, in a mother's journey, a lot of people don't talk about it. They're kind of like, you know, pregnancy gets a lot of attention, labor gets a lot of attention. And then it's kind of like what happens after that. And most people don't talk about it, unfortunately, but postpartum and specifically the 40 days after giving birth are in many traditional um, cultures. It's a sacred time. It's a time to go into your cave. It's a time to nourish um, in traditional Chinese medicine. It should be um, very much supported with warming foods, broth, stews. Um, you don't want any cleansing like greens and that type of thing. It's really like a warming, nourishing, um, recultivating time. So I had this kind of like, how did I want to do this? Because I wanted to be really intentional about that. Like I am with most things with food. And um, so I did a, I was like, and, and if I'm to move my client base into more of the um, early family or the mom, the new mom, you know, like what, what did that need to look like? And what did I need? first and foremost, going through that. And so I could really develop what I wanted to share. Um, But I did a a massive like meal prep extravaganza, you know, Um, and many people like meal prep. And I think it's awesome. Um, I don't know how many people like really utilize like freezers, but like freezers are necessary. That's why I had you buy us a a very large freezer, our third freezer. Um, And how often do we use it? Every day. Every day. But um, I stock that. I think I made like I don't know, 40 meals for two people or something like that. Um, So to get us through that postpartum period, because you really want to be laying low, you want to be with the baby and connecting. And like, you also really need to be nourished because you just went through the most physically exhausting 
thing a, a woman can do. You know, it's um, it's no joke, right? It's like a marathon. So um, not only being nourished throughout pregnancy and postpartum, um, I was like, wow, like nobody's really doing this. Like there's for sure some like premium meal prep services that you can get, but it's super expensive and that's not uh, always an option for people. And also people are very oftentimes um, intimidated by getting in the kitchen. And, you know, if they're going to slap something together, like that's better than nothing for sure, because you will need it. Um, But I really want to bring to people moving forward, bring to women an experience where they're fully supported, maybe like the couple weeks prenatal before giving birth. And then most importantly, in those 40 days after giving birth. Um, And so I've almost completed, um, got an extension for a program that I just, uh, that was suggested to me from Dr. Nathan Riley, who's an amazing OBGYN. um, And it's the Indie Birth Association. They have an amazing, um, I don't know if it's mission or movement, but um, really seeing birth as a non-medical event, right? So this is our birthright, like our bodies, our physiology knows what to do through this birth experience. So I won't go super into like the philosophy, but um, it's inspired me to meet women in a place that they're often very, very undersupported. So um, hopefully I'll be able to attend births as well. But like for now, I really want to um, support people in their homes, um, getting them all set up for as much deeply nourishing foods as I can. Um, Bone broth has been a huge part of my offering in life for for many years now. Um, so yeah, just really like weighing on that ancestral template of of what it means to be nourished and to provide it to a group of people that I think are very much in need and kind of forgotten about after this landmark birth experience. So that'll evolve. And, you know, I'm a holistic health coach as well. So I, I never see anything in isolation and I've never really wanted to be just a caterer or just anything when it comes like, here's your food. It's really a, a whole package offering of support uh, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually physically of course so so we'll see where it leads but it's really cool to have found uh, a demographic that I think I can really um, speak to and support in a very unique way you know you and I haven't spoken about this I don't think so so I'm curious with with this kind of like postpartum doula or this postpartum support that you want to help women with is that something like you said you, you, you I know you have obviously by far the skill set to support people even at the most high level way. But if someone lived across the world, like we live in obviously California, like if someone was in, I don't know, in Europe or something like that in a completely different state or completely different country, do you have plans or have you thought about how you might be able to support them? And is that a part of the offering that you're developing? Yeah, actually, because I mean, I would say even more than a chef, I identify with being a food educator. Like I Mm. think that you know, there's lots of ways to support people in their process of empowering themselves of how to do this for themselves. That's what I, the path I didn't want to get down. I don't want to be like, someone needs me to physically be there to, you know, have um, benefit. But I do want to be able to show up for people in person and, you know, in their homes and help them curate 
environment for healing because it's more than just the food. Food is a huge part and it's, you can't do anything else. And like, I would say start there, but um, yeah, I mean, I've done cooking demos and cooking courses. I'm working on my cookbook, you know, and I really want to tailor that to um, at least one volume of that cookbook to being not only meals and recipes for, for kids, but also for, um, for new moms. And like, you know, I think largely sometimes people forget about like there's other kids and husbands and partners to be supported in that postpartum period time. So yeah, I can't forget about the whole family unit. So really like helping people design their life around what they have, you know, what's in front of them, who's around them. I'd love to support them in any way that I could. And that was so huge just to bring it back to those 40 days of meals that you created for both of us. Like one, I was so grateful that you even, it's so like my, my perspective around is like, I mean, yes, we're both involved and I'm helping as much as I can, but like you just went through like the most uh, intense whatever ceremony and there is a, a big physical recovery time. And so like for me, my mindset as the partner was like, it's about you. I'm there to support anything. And so when you had those meals, also thinking of me, I was like blown away and it made everything so much easier and made me able to drop into really supporting you on an emotional level or supporting Luca. And it's one of the things that I didn't even know going into those 40 days that would be so important. And it's actually one of the most, one of the more memorable things. Like we've heard with the guys at the retreats, it's like they didn't sign up for the food, but it's actually one of the things they remember most and how they felt and everything beyond just the food itself. And it allowed us to have nourishing food and to really drop in with each other and the cleanup, like we didn't have much cleanup to do. It was just heated up in the oven. And so I'm so grateful. And for you know, uh, for partners out there, like this is not something that, you know, just, I don't want to say benefits the, the woman going through this process, but can benefit you as well. And the family unit, because this is, we are a team. That's what we are. And most, most like people don't, they want to support, but they don't know how, Yeah, you know, like, I mean, we went through that in our own way of like, yeah, like wanting to be supportive, but like, what does that mean? You know? Mm. So like, I think that's another entry point of like how I can support from a distance too, is like having coaching with couples, with families. Like this isn't just about the woman. Um, And I think that that's really important to include everybody so that this is, it's a family, you know, and the family needs to be nourished because if anybody falls below that baseline, everyone gets pulled down with them, you know? So, and I think that that's a time where the woman needs to be at the forefront because without the health of the female, the woman, the mother, the health of the child, you know, declines, like the the relationship declines, like everything declines from there. So um, it's just a very uniquely special time. Um, and yeah, I think many men um, could use some support with that. And that's totally like, that's expected. You know, you're not expected to know what to do, right? Like it's new for everybody and it evolves. And it's like, so going back to that communication style, like learning how to talk through and like ask for support and, uh, and be supportive. Like that's every family has their journey there. So it's not like there's one template, but I think just that invitation that, you know, we're all in this together. There's like a, like you have your birth team, right? And like, there's a lot of different players there, but no one's on their own. 
I appreciate that, sweetheart. And, you know, as we wrap this up, uh, of course, I'd love for you to share how people can find you and reach out if they are interested in anything that we shared. But as we reflect on the conversation, uh, is there any, yeah, final thoughts, closing thoughts to wrap up this discussion on, uh, I like what you shared about the ritual and how that potentially differs from the ceremony. So however we want to talk about it, uh, are there any closing thoughts that you would love to leave people with on, uh, this conversation of connecting with, with our food? Yeah. I think just don't overthink it, you know, like really, Mm we can get so heady about all these things and strategies and this and that. And like, I think that there's, you know, foundational foods that are just tried and true that are nourishing, that are healthy, that um, lead to vitality and vibrancy. And it's just so easy to make this a intellectual conversation. And I think that like, that is really what separates something from being like, you know, a lifestyle to making it an actual like sacrament, you know, and, um, and the more you can feel into it, the more you can get, even if you're super uncomfortable being in that type of place of like the woo woo or the spiritual or the energetics or whatever, it's like any inches you can take towards just appreciating the body and the human being as like a holistic entity and, all these things, all these are players, whether or not we want to really believe it. And, um, and I think that, yeah, like if we can just get out of our, our heads a little bit and really experience, I mean, like food is art, you know, like nourishment is art, like life is art. I really do believe that. And yeah, it can just, it can be fun. It can be beautiful. It can be like just so connecting and so nourishing at so many different levels. Um, or, you know, it could worst case scenario, you know, you just make a healthy change and you get that like actual energetic vital boost, you know, and it's a sustenance and you just had a, a good meal that's, you know, sourced from a, a good place and, and all's good. But I, I, I just would invite people to like get out of their minds a little bit, um, with like the strategy of all this stuff and like the particulars and everything and like make it your own because we all have that in us. Thank you so much for how you support Luca, mm-hmm. how you support me, how you support our family and, uh, and absolutely how you're supporting everyone right now who's listening. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, sweetheart. Thank you. Uh, of course, my pleasure. We'll be doing more of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and lastly, where would you love people to reach out to you? Like through what medium or or stuff like that? Yeah. So uh, I'm still kind of in my postpartum cocoon. So if anyone has reached out, then um, thank you for your patience on me being back in professional mode. Um, but Instagram is probably the, the closest reach. Um, vital theory on there. And I'm working on developing a more of a um, doula chef postpartum experience website and offering. So stay tuned on that. Nothing else yet. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And to everyone listening, we wish you a beautiful, beautiful day from our home to yours. From our table to yours. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.